Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker coming to you from Perth in Western Australia. And with me is my co-host, Lindsay Adams from Brisbane, Australia. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And today, our guest is Ray Poon from the far-flung city of Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ariel and Lindsay. It's, it's my pleasure to be here. Now, uh, Ray, you're an author, global sales coach, transformation expert, um, CEO, global um, uh, uh, head of the Power Up Success Group. Um, sounds sounds really impressive, mate. Um, I'm I'm joking. I'm I'm just uh, having a lend. Um, but I know that you do some really interesting work. Uh, <clears throat> and you know, through the pandemic, of course, so much has changed. And um, you know, we've got this new normal, I guess you'd call it. How have you helped your your clients transform their business to it to adapt to this new normal? Right. So that's a good question. And you know, that new normal word is actually no longer new, right? We are more than 12 months, almost 15 months into this, this idea of the new normal. Um, and really that transition where people are going to a sense of normality uh, actually presents new opportunity. You know, the interesting thing is that I, I read an article about how Google was actually approaching this, this idea of you know, business going forward. And they were saying that it's not so much about building tools uh, or solutions to help people regain lost ground, but rather it was about you know moving forward and seeking where the new landscape right presents better opportunities. Uh, and as we you know uh, move forward into this this post pandemic for most countries, as the vaccines are being rolled out, right? Really, uh, it's a whole new ball game about how opportunities are going to present itself. How yeah, true. Yeah. So, so, so to that note, right, that, that mm. whole transformation that people has gone through over the you know, last uh, couple of months uh, has been really, really interesting. And we all know that uh, a lot of people has gone some form of digital, right? Uh, whether it's marketing, whether it's uh, delivery, whether it's sales, whether it's uh, you know, a fulfillment of services, whether it's uh, customer engagement. And then we've seen that explosion, right, of how people are using the digital space and digital tools, right, and technology to really leverage a, a more scalable growth uh, to their business. So, so Ray, the, this whole idea of adapting and becoming the new normal, how has that affected? And your one of your key areas is sales, and I, and I, and I'll explain a little bit more about what I mean. Yeah. In the sales space, the traditional sales, particularly business to business sales, were based around um, were based around um, being able to to actually meet someone, warm bodies, face to face, have a coffee, have a drink after work, and build, you know, warm body relationships. Sure. And then you could establish your sense of difference or your point of difference with the client. Yep. Now, when, when particularly for the last you know, year, and, year and more, it's all been digital. It's all been either phone or, or, or Zoom or, or video conferencing. How has that changed the sales process? And, 
And has it actually highlighted the bad salesman? Oh, very, very good question. Actually, that's an excellent transition, right? From what Lindsay was uh, asking me about how have I actually helped my clients. One of the big areas that we have been helping them is to create this um, more effective, and we call it the virtual sales influencer. You know, uh, and this is something that we don't only speak about in our keynotes, but in our training. But we also have rolled out a whole series of, uh, let's call it, um, business uh, uh, operating procedures of how an organization can transition uh, into utilizing the digital space and, and in a virtual engagement with the client in a much better way. So you are right. You know, there are some people that just don't cut it. Um, you know, either they cannot adapt and, and pivot correctly to, you know, to this whole idea of being able to engage the customer effectively virtually. Or some people are just really natural and um, they have been relying on the idea of the charisma to shine you know, during this period of being able to engage that customer over a virtual space. However, my uh, focus has not been working on just people with charisma. The idea here is that you know, how do we work with those that uh, need a little bit of direction, uh, need a little bit of uh, focus, need a little bit of help? How do I position what I call a hybrid approach towards working with my customer? So the most effective thing that we have done for our clients is helping them organize and prioritize strategies around how do I and how do they, you know, um, work with their customers and engage customers, be it lead generation or be it engaging with, you know, new uh, old clients. How do they get into a space where they can utilize this idea of hybrid selling, right, to be more productive? So, Ray, <clears throat> there, are, there are two common words or phrases that have emerged during the pandemic. The first one is, you're on mute. Um, the second is <laughs> the word pivot. Uh, and, um, you know, there's many people who have uh, drinking games now. Um, you know, if they hear the word pivot, you have to take a drink, you know, ha-ha. But, uh, you know, you do a lot of work with business owners and uh, I'm guessing that you've seen a lot of evidence of pivot um, in the last 12, 13 months. Can you share some of your experience with that? So sorry. I was there because I was trying to mute myself. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Hence a little bit of pause there. But, okay. but you're right. But you're right. The, the, this pivot word, right, has become uh, so common um, and it's so misunderstood, right? Because if you, if you look at this idea of what pivoting means, right, it's fundamentally about changing the direction of a business uh, when you realize that your current products or services are not meeting the needs of the market, where the main goal of any pivot, right, is to help a company improve its revenue or survive in the market. But, and, and the way that you pivot your business makes all the difference. So the question beckons, right? Do you need to pivot or is it wise to even pivot just because everyone is pivoting? Yeah. Right? What's the, right? So, so yeah, really, right. and so, so if you think about it, right, there is a, if you wanted to use a, a, uh, Acid test to ask yourself, should I have pivoted? Should I have not pivoted? Did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? Right? Uh, there are six things that I like to kind of bring forth to ask you to consider as you're thinking whether you should have done it, could have done it, you know, um, and shouldn't have done it. Right? So the idea here is number one, if you are not seeing much progress, even though you have put in a lot of, uh, you know, uh, resources and money and, you know, and time, uh, it's time to consider pivoting. Uh, if that's just too much competition, that's a sign of an opportunity to pivot. 
if your company's progress has plateaued, right, or if any one of your features or services um, is losing traction, it's time to pivot. If your customers are not responding to your current products like the way you, you think they should have, it's time to pivot. And then finally, if your perspective of how you see the future of your industry and how it's going to change and you want to be in front of that curve, that's when you choose to pivot. So uh, not, not everyone needs to pivot. Uh, and the idea of pivoting, it's, it's about selecting the right thing to do at the right time. And as a business, you not only pivot during a crisis, you pivot because of those few things that I've just mentioned. You see what I'm trying to say? So people who have actually done it really well are those that truly understand that definition of what pivoting is and when you should actually pivot. Well, that that's exactly, I mean, I was listening to those six points and none of them had anything to do with the pandemic by and large, but yet the word pivot became a big thing. So, so let me let me extend that idea. You spoke about um, competition and and you know generic market. Well, to some extent, you know, as competition's grown, so I'm going to extend it because we have lived through a pandemic and whatever this new old normal looks like now and whatever it is. What in my thought and I and I love your thought on the sales space is suddenly the person who was was selling on a local level is now facing competition globally because as opposed to actually visiting the customer, the, the, everybody in the world can now reach out to that same customer with the same, yes, there's some language barriers, but, but, but with the same medium with zoom or whatever it may be, you know, how, how has that caused, and we're going back to this pivot word, you know, how has that made people suddenly wake up and say, we need to change our business model. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful observation, Ariel. I think this, that's, a, that's a beautiful uh, illustration of that. And I like to answer that in two ways. Uh, the first thing is this idea where do we truly understand what our customer needs uh, need and want today? Uh, or are we making assumptions of what they need and want? One of the biggest things of you know, how successful businesses have been able to transform themselves during this time is that they always have their year on the ground. Uh, and they sincerely uh, know what their customers want because that's what their customers are saying. So having an ability to really um, uh, understand the client from the customer's voice, it's a very, very big thing. You know why? Because you then take your subject matter expertise right, into some form of aggregation. You're aggregating what's happening in the real market. And you're not only tapping into your local market, you're tapping, into your, you're tapping into your regional market and you're trying to aggregate what all this data means. Then only can you ask yourself, does this data present those insights for me to even decide whether I should pivot or not, right? So, so I think that's very, very key in terms of really understanding the space and, and the customer's voice. Now, the second thing about what you mentioned about suddenly now it's open to various people and, and, and you know, uh, and because we can do it virtually and, and we can cut across so many borders. And that's true. Uh, more opportunities are being opened up. Um, and hence, this tells us that when this whole vaccine thing gets rolled out a little bit more um, productively and effectively, and when we start to see travel happening and we start to see face-to-face -face meetings happening more and more, we have to be really wise about the balance between that 
offline and that online approach that we're doing in selling. Hence the term hybrid selling, right? Can we still leverage on a virtual online approach towards engaging our customers and, and marry it together that what we would normally do as in like what you said, uh, Riel, in that face-to-face and that, you know, that warm body engagement and things like that, right? Can we marry it? Can we find, can we merge it, right? In terms of our sales process and our sales engagement and make that something that I could, you know, uh, gain more productivity in. For example, uh, in the past, if you did a face-to-face, you know, business to business kind of situation where you visit a customer, you know, depending on travel and depending on location and distance, you will end up probably doing what two, three appointments a day, right? If you are doing it virtual and you're doing it for the first few engagement with a client, do it virtually and you can suddenly do six, you know, five, six appointments a day. And suddenly you're seeing yourself a little bit more productive, at least on the prospecting stage of selling, right? And now we have to ask ourselves now, so how do I then take this forward? Now, after I've prospected the client virtually and had that engagement to present to them, can I now figure out which client requires me to touch them or to reach out to them in a more physical manner where I can be there and you know my sense of energy and my passion starts to shine and I'm able to illustrate more clearly uh, with greater awareness in terms of our differentiation. Right, so so these things start to happen. Yeah. So Ray, I, I gotta, I want to throw a curveball at you. Sure, I've got a. I wonder, and maybe you might need to get out your crystal ball and gaze into it, mate. Um, see, remember? Do you remember an event called nine eleven, when <laughs> um, you know the, the planes crashed into the towers? And <laughs> for those involved in the conference industry in the US and around the world, they said conferences are dead. There will be no more conferences. People won't be uh, won't meet face to face. They'll be afraid. They won't get on planes. And how long did it take before the conference industry was booming again and people were attending conferences and you know getting up to their old um, antics and hijinks? And and I wonder, do you think in 12 or 18, well, let's say 18 months, 24 months time, that people will go, I'm sick of Zoom. I want to I want to see a warm body. I want to shake a hand. I want to have a cup of coffee. I want to hug somebody. Do you think that human nature will will drive us back out of the virtual space completely? Uh, you're, okay, that's a good question. I, I was really thinking about that even uh, you know a couple of months ago, and I was thinking about how people would engage. You know, as we like what you said, this 12, 18 months. Now it's it's almost like the same illustration, right? Uh, we are all fixed, affixed to Netflix, <laughs> and everyone is a friend of Netflix now, or yeah. or the other way around. And uh, you notice that uh, the movies have pretty much shut down, um, you know, because yeah. the mandatory lockdown and things like that. Uh, but we have also seen an uptick when recent in recent con- in, in in some countries in recent times where the movies. Uh, and the and the theaters have started to open up, and we'll see a flock of people just kind of rushing to it, right? Yeah, uh, I I call it uh, very much of a pent up frustration, right? Uh, and and you're right, people are going to be fed up with Zoom and fed up with Teams and you know whatever it is, Skype, uh, for a moment of time, um, because there is a pent up situation that's going to happen. Uh, people need that you know uh, human touch, um, and that's going to happen. Uh, but that's going to be a tapering where people will start to realize that, you know what, I, I miss it. I've done it now. I've gone back to it. But I kind of miss some of the productivity that I've been gaining, you know, through ah. virtual media. So they are going to find that 
leveling and that balance, right? And that's going to happen. And, and so uh, the question beckons, is your business uh, leveraging on these opportunities? And are you seeing a hit you know, of that curve? And are you readying your business you know, for these things to happen? So, so the extending that, and we, we, we've only spoken about sales, you know, and that, yep. because that's an internal external environment where you, an internal person is to, talking to an external customer. How, how then does, you know, the world is talking about corporations shutting down half their offices, people working from home or nearby home. So one of the concepts is, is what they call work near home, not work at home where there's hubs, like regional hubs in a suburb yep. Yep. and you hot desk there, but there's only 10 or 20 people in that space. Yeah. How then, you know, how then does that change if we kind of working from home still, how is that going to change the business environment? And, and again, I'm talking from an Australian perspective where we haven't sure. had COVID for months. Yeah. Um, how is that going to affect, you know, the Southeast Asian perspective on, on, on doing business in the future? Mm, that's, that's good. That's a good point. And that's a good question. You know, the, the interesting thing here is that that's actually um, going to propagate this idea of work near home, work from home, remote working. That's, I, I really feel that that's going to propagate because organizations and corporations, right, they are going to be able to eventually figure out which part you know, in, in terms of the company's uh, uh, departments and in terms of the workforce, you know, which portion of my workforce uh, can operate effectively when they are working remotely and which part of my organization will have challenges if they don't meet up face-to-face -face or often enough where we get together in a huddle, right, and, and be near to each other. Uh, they are going to eventually figure that out um, on what's more productive, uh, Google is coming up with a lot of tools to support um, in terms of the enhancement of productivity in terms of working from home and working near home. And the idea here is that it's all about empowerment. It's all about trackability. It's all about uh, performance management. So there will be a, a uh, growth in this space where more businesses are going to tackle this idea of being able to you know, have some of their workforce work from home. Uh, two reasons. One is that, as what I've said just now about how people will find that, that balance, uh, what works and what doesn't work. Um, but the other thing is that people are going to start needing that space of work-life balance that they have been so used to of recent times. And so when they start to do that, that's going to paint a whole new picture, right, in terms of how uh, corporations and, and companies will start to pay their workforce. Uh, there will be people that would rather have a more, you know, balanced life and, and maybe work less or take less from benefits, um, you know, but still be very loyal to that company. So you're going to see that shift and you're going to see organizations coming up with different uh, employment packages to educate them for these needs. Um, and, and I think that's very crucial. That's very crucial because it actually helps the overall economy as well. You see, as we move forward, the key word is empowerment. You know, how much empowerment can I give to my staff? The more empowered they are, the better they perform, uh, the more loyal they become, right? So uh, it's a balance. It's a fine line. It's a fine line, but I think there's so much uh, opportunities out there as this starts to happen. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, what, what other opportunities or challenges do you see for business in the near future? Uh, keeping a promise. Keeping a Ooh. promise. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I say that is because, you know, every brand um, 
focuses really on that message of their promise. Uh, someone once said this, they said that your brand, right, is a promise to your clients. It is a promise of quality. It's a promise of consistency. It's a promise of competency and reliability. And I think that's wonderfully said, right? Wonderfully said, because at the end of the day, it's the brand in the face of crisis, it's in the brand in the face of a new world. How strong can you maintain that promise? And that's what I call, right, your brand under pressure. Uh, you know, what does your brand look like now in, the, in this so-called, you know, new world order? Uh, and what must I do for my promise, right, to be kept? So it's all about keeping that, that promise, right? So what do I need to do in my organization, with my people, with my culture, with my, you know, with my new procedures, with my operating, uh, you know, business uh, uh, expenses? What am I going to do to maintain my promise to my clients? And, you know, granted, things have changed. So are we in tune with what I said earlier about understanding the customer's voice? Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I like it. And I think you're right. Um, keeping the promise. I think that's, uh, that's a very, very clever summation. Ray, we are pretty much out of time. Um, how would our listeners get in touch with you if they wanted to, uh, to talk more with you or learn more about what you do? What's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can actually drop me an email uh, um, at uh, info at ray, uh, raymondpoon.com. Right, um, and it's Raymond R A Y M O N D, and Poon is P H O O N. Thank or you. they can actually go to my Facebook and search for Ray Poon, and uh, they there will be go. able to find me as well. Yeah. Thank you, Ray, for being a guest on the Business Excellence Podcast today. Uh, thank you for sharing your ideas, your insights into sales, business, pivoting. Not so much pivoting. A lot of companies, you know, the word pivot always strikes me that you pivot around a fixed anchor point. Right. And, and, and I think that a lot of companies are still trying to do that. They're spinning around this fixed anchor point. So thank you for sharing your ideas with us. Um, thank you for being such a generous guest um, with your ideas. And this is Railbricker signing off for this edition of the business excellence podcast with a reminder to our listeners that if you pop along to www.excellencepodcast.com there are heaps of free resources for you including a 48 page ebook entitled building excellence to help you on your journey to building excellence in your business and in your life